right. So, uh, and if you miss it, just go to our website. Sometimes we have a few glitches, like uh, this uh, uh, YouTube stream. We had to start a new one, but I hope you're catching us on YouTube. Uh, so whenever you, you see we're not live exactly at 11, just refresh the page and you will see the, uh, the, the stream there. Also, if you're on YouTube, just hit that red button that says subscribe. That will greatly help our channel. This morning, I'm going to start a new series. Um, next week, we're going to have uh, Harry Felix. Hello, Harry. Uh, here with us. But I'm, I'm starting the series today, and I call it Close Encounters of the God Kind. And I hope I don't get in trouble because this is a copyrighted uh, image <laughs> that I used here of the movie Close Encounters of the First Kind. I don't know. Any of you watched this movie? Three times? Oh, the third, <laughs> the third kind. It's not the first kind. The third kind. All right. Thank you for... I didn't remember because I watched the movie. I thought it was the first kind. So it's the third kind. Anyways, uh, people are fascinated with encountering aliens. And that's why we have so many movies. I, I kind of like the ones with the bad aliens. The ones that you shoot the alien. <laughs> But, uh, you know, there's the ones with the good aliens that uh, are far superior to us and uh, that technology is better than ours and they're smarter than us and then they come and, and people are just so fascinated with this. And I, I found a lot of parallels between these um, movies of encounters with aliens with God encounters. Uh, <laughs> because they had to uh, get the storyline, a good storyline from somewhere that's like a bestseller. And the, still the greatest bestseller in the world by far is the Bible. Not, and there's, there's no book that comes even close. I'm sorry, the Koran doesn't come close, the Siddhartha books, the, all other religions and Buddha and all these, they don't even come close to the sales of the Bible, still up to today when society tries to silence uh, everything about God and the Bible, but uh, it's still fascinating to us uh, having an encounter with God. So that's my series. It's not about aliens, all right, <laughs> just to let you know, but uh, it's about encounters with God. And in order for us to have our own encounter with God, What's better than to see in the Bible how other people had encounters with God? Because there's kind of a protocol uh, of encountering God uh, that we see in the Bible, and we need to learn it. Uh, what do I mean by protocol? Well, I've never went to Buckingham Palace. Well, I went there, but I, I just saw it from across the street. I didn't went inside. But let's say that I had an appointment with the Queen of England. Uh, there's a certain protocol. So there's a, I need to learn how to approach her, and I need to learn how to greet her. I just I don't say, hello, Elizabeth, give me five. You know, it, it's, it's not the protocol. So I, I need to learn with someone that tells me, when you approach the, the queen, you need to do, like, whatever. I don't know. And any of you met the queen? No? 
All right. <laughs> Just the band, the queen. <laughs> yeah, but there's a protocol. So when we approach God, there's a protocol. And, and we should learn it. So that's what we're going to uh, learn today. So today it's about Abraham. And during this last week, I had a series of five uh, evening devotionals on Abraham's altars. Because Abraham built uh, altars in four places. One of them he repeated at Bethel. He, he built two altars there. The Bible says Bethel, but in fact the name of the place is unknown because it was his grandson that then had an encounter with God in Bethel and named the place. But when we read it, it's called Bethel before it was called Bethel. Is this confusing? I hope it's not. But uh, Abraham uh, had an encounter with God, and God initiated the encounter. Because, you know, God is far more willing to initiate an encounter with us than we are to respond properly to that encounter. Sometimes we don't know how to respond and we don't know what's going on uh you know i'm going to say something some people will get upset with me but i'll say it anyways but i think i believe that many of the ufo sightings and those abductions and stuff that people are telling uh they were in fact and encounters with angels and and with god but people do not recognize god <laughs> Well, now you can get upset with me, do whatever. <laughs> but the, the thing is, people don't know how to respond, how to react. If it was like 400 years ago, nobody talked about aliens and spaceships. So every encounter was God or was supernatural, was a spirit, was whatever. So if it's today, people see something in the sky and say, oh, wow, that must be an alien. Because... They don't know how to react to God. And maybe it is an alien. I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I'm just telling you that God wants to encounter you. Okay? And if God shows up, don't do a weird signage. <laughs> no. Don't do anything you learn from TV or Hollywood. Just be open. Be open to God. And Abraham was... Uh, Minding his business. And in Genesis 12, God spoke to him. God shows up and he says, Genesis 12, 1. The Lord had said to Abraham. And uh, uh, Steph, you can help to put uh, uh, online the, the Bible verse. Is it there? No, so so you, if you can just switch because he knows how to put the Bible verses. We want you at home to, to check the Bible. You can learn with him. <laughs> you can check how he does it. Uh, so, Genesis 12, 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, so here's uh, this uh, encounter. With, uh, with, with God, and God has numerous things to say. Because when God encounters someone, he always has something to say, or to ask, or to direct. 
So, so if you expect to have an encounter with God just to feel good, to have goosebumps, that's now not how it works. And unfortunately, uh, some Christians think that God is in the business of making us feel good. But that, that's not what, uh, what God is looking for uh, when he has an encounter with someone. Of course, God has the best for us. God wants to bless us, like he told Abraham. But uh, when he pronounces something, uh, we need to know how to react to God. And far too many people in the Bible had the wrong reaction. They had bad reactions. So God asked something, and they said, who, me? No, not me. Choose another one. So there's a few instances where that happens, uh, where God talks and people say, oh, no, choose another one, or just ignore God. And Abraham, uh, he um, was truly blessed by, by God. And we know that uh, then we, we can read on verse 6 uh, what was the, the reaction. Um, so you, you cannot find my PowerPoint there. Oh, okay. So, so otherwise, don't worry. So Genesis 12, 6 and 7. It says, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the yoke of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham. So here's God appearing to Abram again. And, uh, and said, to your offspring, I give this land. And it says, so he built there an altar to the Lord. That's a good thing. You know, imagine that. The Lord shows up to Jeff and tells Jeff, you see this big property? I give it to you and to all your descendants. What do you say? <laughs> sure, <laughs> I can receive it. You know, I have it. Okay, you give it to me? All right. And he actually possessed that land. And then many generations after, there's still a fight over the land. So there are still people that say, oh, we are the descendants of Abraham. But the, the other group says, no, no, we are also descendants of Abraham, and we don't like you. And there's still a fight <laughs> over the land. But uh, that land, either they're uh, Jews or something that's inaccurate. So there, there's different tribes, but they're all descendants of Abraham. Both uh, Arabs and Jews, they're descendants of Abraham. So they're fighting over the land, but that's another subject. But let, let, let me show you what happens after the encounter. So Abraham says, this is the land. So he built an altar. So that's the, when I talk about protocol, I want to tell you that when you have an encounter with God, there's something to be done. There's a way to respond. Yes, there's a thank you. There's also the burden of receiving it, but we need to learn how to build an altar. And uh, the altar of Abraham was built with stuff that was uh, around him. So uh, I told you that he built at least four or five uh, altars that I mentioned in Scripture, plus the ones that are not recorded. But I, I think he built altars in many places. Those were landmarks. Uh, and in those landmarks, uh, when God spoke, they sacrificed 
to God. They sacrificed their best, the best thing they had as a way of showing gratitude to, to God. But uh, the, altar of, the altars that Abraham built, that are recorded, were not pieces of furniture. They were built out of rubble. Uh, in, in fact, uh, in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, right after the Ten Commandments, God gives the instructions on how to build an altar. And on those instructions, God says, you build the, the altar of dust of the land. And if you use stones, do not carve the stones. Because if you carve the stones, they will be impure. They will be profane. They will, I will not accept that altar. So the altar has to be built of soil and stones. What kind of stones? The stones that are around. And they will build the altar. It's interesting because there, sometimes people read the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, they don't read the rest. God even goes to the detail of saying, do not build the altar too high in case you're sacrificing and people see under the skirt and they discover your nudity. <laughs> so God even... Don't make it too high. Because when you're sacrificing, I don't want people, you know, take, looking under your garments. They had skirts. They didn't have uh, trousers. So, so, so there, even, the Bible even gives that detail. Why? Because the altar is not about the piece of furniture. The altar is about grabbing what's around you. Grabbing the dust, the stones, the rubble, and out of the rubble, the altar is built. So in your own life, God is not expecting you to do more than what you can afford. God is not expecting you to give an offering that's more than you can afford. God is not expecting that. Religious people are. They want just to squeeze your pocketbook and, uh, and just grab your money. That's not what God wants. God wants you to grab the rubble and build an altar. And say, yes, Lord, I am here. I thank you, God. This is the Bible verse I was telling you, Exodus 20, where it says, if you make the altar out of stones, do not build with dressed stones. That's stones that are man-made. Because you'll defile it. If you use a tool on it, if you, if you try to make the altar as you wish, I don't accept it. It's made of what I've made, not of what you're doing. So the altar and the protocol, it's not what we do. You see, there's a lesson here. Because God is not expecting you to give your talents or your work what you do, but God grabs expects it to grab the rubble around and from that you build an altar and it can be very humble if you're a humble person it can be very flashy if you're a millionaire but you grab what you have and you present an altar to the lord and it's not more valuable the altar of the millionaire or the altar of the poor person because it's not the materials of the altar that matter it's the attitude of your heart. You grab what's around, and God says, this is the right protocol. If you're going to build an altar, you do it this way. 
It's stuff that's around you. It's the rubble around you. Do you have rubble around your life? I have a lot of rubble. And some people have a lot of rubble. So, so God says, you build the altar. So, so that's why you come as you are to God. Because what you have is nothing. It doesn't really matter. Hmm? It can be, you know, just amazing. I, I was watching a, a TV show on, uh, on uh, houses of millionaires in, in California. And I was, I was watching and I said, wow. <laughs> I never knew that a place like this could exist. How can you be so rich that you, you, know, you put uh, six elevators in a, in a house in a hill and <laughs> you know, more, more washrooms and bedrooms and all this. And there's people that have all these things. But you know, to God... You can bring all the gold to him. It has no, the, the value is not there. Bring your rubble. You can be dirt poor, have nothing. You don't have a pen. You just have rocks and dust. That's the same thing. That's why God said, build the altar like this. Because anyone can build an altar of rubble. Anyone. It's what's around you. Are you following me? So God said that uh, this will be the place for sacrifice. So it doesn't matter your possessions. Uh, like Abraham had the encounter, God then told the descendants to build, I believe, like Abraham built his altars. Because Abraham built altars. You know, the first altar mentioned in the Bible was built by Noah. Uh, when the flood happened and the waters receded, and, and uh, the ark uh, just uh, landed in land. He built an altar. So it's the first time in the Bible that an altar is mentioned. But then we see here Abraham building these different altars that were landmarks, places of sacrifice. And these altars were also the proof that he had this encounter with God. And he knows how to answer. He's responsive to God. Because God can speak, and, and uh, listen, the Bible says that God spoke through us, to us through the prophets in many ways, and we ignored him. And then, in the fulfillment of time, he sent Jesus, his son. And you know what people did? They ignored him. Except a few that didn't harden their hearts. And they open up their hearts to receive the message from the Lord. See, our hearts were like hearts of stone. Stone cold. But when God comes and we build the altar, the stone cold heart becomes a heart of flesh. And, and so our heart is the altar that we present to the Lord. You know, in Hebrews 13... It's a, it's a very important um, uh, letter in the Bible, Hebrews. We don't even know who wrote Hebrews. If it was Paul, if it was some, someone else, uh, we'll have a surprise in heaven. Um, my heresy for you today is I think it was a woman that wrote it. But that's me. Because a woman was not allowed to write scripture. <laughs> and so that's why they, they say, oh, who's the, the author? We don't know. I tend to think one day when we get to heaven, we'll know. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, there's this letter that talks about 
very profound things from the Old Testament and the New. And um, uh, in this letter, uh, there's meditations in stuff that we do in church, as Christians, all kinds of things. And so on verse 10 of chapter 13, one of the last chapters or the last chapter, it says, we have an altar. We have an altar. What is this? We have an altar. Remember, this is written to the Hebrews that are Christian now. So they're Hebrew and Christian. And as Christian, they don't have an altar. Because, yes, the old rites of the Old Testament, in those rites, in those, uh, the protocol of approaching God, there's the altar, there's blood on top of the altar, animals are being sacrificed. Then in the Jewish synagogue at the time of Jesus, they're not necessarily doing this, but they're reading scripture and they have their own liturgy, their own protocol. But Christians don't. In fact, one of the things that Christians have different, there is no altar. But Hebrews says, we have an altar. And they say, whoa, we have an altar. That's a heresy. We don't have an altar. Why? Because Jesus Christ, he's the lamb of God, the sacrificial lamb that fulfilled all the rituals and prophecies of the Old Testament. That's why Christians don't sacrifice lambs. Because he's the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said, here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So when Jesus died at the cross at Calvary, when he shed his blood, not only he was dying as a punishment by the Romans, he wasn't just doing this, he was fulfilling scripture and prophecy about himself, where he is the Lamb of God. His blood was shed, so we don't need more blood to be shed. We don't need another altar. You say, what, what do you mean you don't need another altar? I went to the Roman Catholic Church. I went there to Montreal, and there's an altar to Mary, and then there's a mart, uh, uh, an altar to a martyred saint, and there's an altar to John, and there's an altar to this one. You know, my fav favorite altar, it's St. Anthony, because that's my name. <laughs> and and he, there's an altar to St. Anthony. When I, when I was a kid, there was the St. Anthony uh, celebration every year, <clears throat> and uh, people drink a lot of wine and sardines. It's like the Saint-Jean. There people get drunk in Saint-Jean. So you ask, what is Saint-Jean all about? Drinking beer. Yeah, that's what Saint-Jean is all about for people. But there's an altar to Saint-Jean, and there's an altar to this, and there's an altar to that. What is an altar? An altar is a point of contact between man and I'll say God, but with some people, it's men and Saint, Saint Jean, <laughs> men and Saint Anthony. And then they think if they pray to Saint Anthony, Saint Anthony will say something to God about you. That's not, not how it works, but this is how people build altars from their pagan religions. Because in their pagan view, if there's something supernatural they don't understand, they tend to submit and worship. But here it says, you have, you have an altar. And then on verse 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That's our altar. 
That's the altar. So it's talking about the altar. So when you guys were worshiping here, Andrew and, and Julian and, and Steph, you were, you were just playing songs. But it's not playing songs. Because the fruit of your lips that are confessing the name of Jesus are the sacrifice, and that's the altar. So the protocol to approach God today comes out of your lips. And I know people say, oh, lip service. Lip service is very important. Don't ever neglect lip service. Because lip service, the fruit of the lips of, the, of confessing the name of the Lord, it's our altar. It's part of our altar. So the, the altar, it's made out of the rubble that's in your life. And you may say, oh, God is never going to speak to me. I'm a sinner. God speaks to anyone. Say, oh, I'm a drug addict. God cannot speak to me. Yes, he does. Oh, I'm a homosexual and people say it's wrong. God is not going to speak to me. Yes, he does. He speaks to anyone. Because God doesn't do exception or differentiation of people. He sees through the scene and he sees the real you. And when he sees the real you, he talks to you and he expects you to answer. Not as the religions of the world tell you to answer, but God expects a protocol. And the protocol is to build an altar in your heart. An altar is also a place of communication. Now, you can ask God... To have an encounter with him if you've never had one. I had a few encounters with God in my life. That changed my life radically. That's why I preach like in here. Because, uh, you know, in a human way of seeing things, I could do something better. But I'm, I responded to God. Because God asked me to be a voice for him. So that's what I do. So I, I study the Bible, I pray for people, I intercede for people. That's part of my altar. But I asked God, it was my first prayer. Someone told me, if you want to meet God, say, God, if you're there, show yourself to me. Reveal yourself. And I did that prayer. And you know it worked. <laughs> so if you never did this prayer, that's the first prayer you do. Say, God, I want to meet you. People talk about you. I see my mom and dad praying. I see my grandma praying for me. I don't know you. And it's sometimes when we're in the middle of the rubble, <laughs> in the dust, desperate, when we cry out to God, sometimes there when we have this encounter. So that's a, a way it's asking God. So if you want to have an encounter with God, also be around people who have had encounters. That's important. That's why I'm here at church. And I'm friends with all of you here. <laughs> and some of you watching online. All of you watching online. I like to be around people that have had encounters with God. Not to hear their stories, though their stories can encourage my faith. But uh, when I'm with people that have had encounters with God, that will facilitate my own encounter. 
right? I know that some people just create stories and fantasies and they do all this. But, uh, you know, after you start walking with God and, and then you have an encounter with God, you can actually differentiate between people that are genuine and people that are fake. Just a, a hint. And finally, learn to wait on God. If you want to have an encounter, it's not on your timeline. It's on God's timeline. Because you don't give orders to God. You submit to God and you wait on him. You know, this same Abraham, and I, I teached about this last week, uh, he did something that he shouldn't, him and the wife. Because God had promised them a son. And uh, that was the son of the promise. But they were getting old. And as they were aging, uh, in fact, we don't know exactly the age, but probably around 80, uh, they decided that was too long of a wait and that uh, Abraham uh, should uh, sleep with an employee, with a slave uh, called Hagar. And... Uh, because God is not showing up, yeah, we'll do it ourselves. We'll have you. And uh, the wife said, you make a son to the employee, and we raise him as, my, as our own son. And that caused numerous <laughs> problems up to today. But you know also what caused? Caused God to be silent for 13 years. For 13 years, God didn't speak to Abraham. It was in silence. Have you ever had... If you're a Christian, have you ever had seasons in which God doesn't speak? And you say, oh, maybe that's my church problem. I'll go to another church. So you go to another church and you try to fabricate the presence of God or something. And God still doesn't speak. Oh, probably it's, the problem is this church. So you go to another church. And that's what we call today church hoppers. It's people that are hopping from church to church. Because if God doesn't speak here, maybe he speaks there. You know, let me give you a secret. God doesn't speak in places. God speaks to people. The place is irre irrelevant. God can speak to someone in the most weird places. One of my close friends, I, sometimes he watches this uh, stream it's Pastor Victor Barrera. Uh, he's in, in Hamilton. We'll be with him this summer, God willing. But um, he tells the story many times because I, I evangelize him in his uh, basement. Uh, so he was a music producer, and I went to his basement. Here's this guy, you know, there's uh, cigarette butts everywhere. There's a pot. There's all kinds. I don't want to tell you what was there. But it wasn't nice. And he was just like, ooh, and I spoke for two hours. And something penetrated. But he didn't got saved there. He was saved in a bar. He was playing in a bar, because he's an artist, and he got saved in a bar. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit came, and he got saved. And then he became a disciple and then a pastor. I wasn't saved in a church. When I got saved, I know I identified the moment. I was trying to kill myself. 
I was on my third suicide attempt in the same day. And I was crying and praying, and I encountered God there in a desperate situation. But then through life, I learned that sometimes God is in silence, and we need to wait. Wait on him. And tell him that you're waiting. <laughs> Let me conclude this message. God has the best for you. You know, God told Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 33.3, Call me and I will answer you. Call me? How many times you call someone and they don't answer? Sometimes it's, oh, maybe they're busy. And you try, uh, maybe they are too busy. Then you start thinking, maybe they don't want to answer. <laughs> There's something called called display. It was the best invention ever. Remember some of us, that we're old enough to answer a phone without call display. Do you remember that? The phone rang in the house. You know, bang, 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 and it was always a mystery. Who is it? <laughs> 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 and, and we answer. And then we hear the voice we don't want to hear say, Hello, this is Tony Silvera. After this message, leave. <laughs> After you hear the beep, leave a recording. Beep! <laughs> Just kidding. But how many times you call someone and they don't answer? But God says, Call me and I will answer. And then he says, And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. What a powerful promise. Is it for us or was this just for Jeremiah? You know, I, I take it for me too. <laughs> Maybe it was just specific to Jeremiah. But if it was, he wouldn't have written it. He communicated it to the people. And this is a word he received for the people. And he told the people, God says to you, Rose, Julia, God tells you, Noel, call me and I will answer you. And I will not just answer, but I will tell you great and hidden things that you don't know anything about. Let me tell you, Abraham had an encounter, the God kind. I'd rather encounter God than an alien. I'd love to encounter an alien, don't get me wrong. That would be awesome. See an alien, you know, coming from outer space? That would be crazy awesome. <laughs> But I'd rather encounter God. The one who created you and the alien. <laughs> you know, after the first altar, Abraham kept doing altars. And uh, he did so, so many wrong things. This one about making a, a kid to the, to the employee in a plot with the wife. Can you imagine? There's a couple, husband and wife, says, oh, you make a, a son to the, the, our Mexican uh, employee, <laughs> and we raise him as our own. Uh -uh. That's not, what, not going to work. But sometimes we try to do stuff on our own. So Abraham had many... Many, many troubles this, of this kind. Many. You know, once he went to Egypt, and there in Egypt, Pharaoh looked at the wife, says, oh, she's cute. 
who is she? And he said, oh, uh, she's my sister. And Pharaoh said, oh, great, she's single. I'm going to get married with her. And, and then this caused trouble, trouble, trouble. So, so Abraham was far from perfect. But he kept building altars because the way of uh, the protocol to answer when God speaks, you build an altar. The altar can be also like a local church can be like uh, an, an, an altar. Let me conclude just with this thought because I, I'm uh, getting a bit long. In Genesis 12, 8, it talks about another altar. So we, we, we read the first altar and then we started reading about this. And, and this is a, a, an, an altar he built in, in Shechem, which is, it says, east of Bethel, and Bethel to the west, and I to the east. What, what's interesting here, it's Bethel means the house of God. House of God, that's Bethel. And I, uh, it means past times, or times of old, old things. So it's like he pitches an altar, and there's the house of God, and there's his past. And why is this so meaningful? You know, in our lives, we need to learn to, to build these altars. And sometimes we're in a crossroad between our past and the house of God. It's like the house of God is the future. It's where we should go. We should move towards in that direction. Uh, but then we have I, we have our past, and we pitch the altar. He did the altar here. He, God spoke. He worshiped. And then he moved from that place, and that, that's when he moved to the Negev, and he got famine, and his life was all messed up. And instead of returning to Bethel, the house of God, he goes to Egypt, and his life was messed up. And so in our life, we build these uh, altars, and those are moments where we say, okay, God, I want to seek you. I want to have a relationship with you. And the way you respond to God determines your future. You know, some people ignore the call of God. So they don't build the altar. And then God is silent. But uh, you know what happened with Abraham? He messed up his life. And then finally something clicked. And he said, I should return back to Bethel. And so he goes back to Bethel and builds another altar. There's, that's his Bethel number two altar. It's when he messes up, but then he, he decides, I'm going back, like uh, you were singing today, I'm going back to the heart of worship. What was the song we sang? No, it was close. <laughs> I was thinking of that one. <laughs> Same concept. It's, it's, you know, I, I'm going back to you, God. So maybe you need to go back to the altar. And I, I'm just... I finished the message, and um, I'm going to uh, give you some teaching about different people in the Bible that had encounters with God, because the way they reacted uh, it was very human. They were not super, super people, super spiritual. They were just like you and me. Well, in some cases, worse than you and me in terms of, of life. You, you, you don't want to imagine the life of David that, you know, was able to kill, to take another guy's wife and stuff that happens. And God still says, oh, but his heart is gold. <laughs> and so sometimes you may think about yourself, oh, but I'm a sinner. I do this, I do that. I keep falling into trouble. I keep doing bad stuff. doesn't matter. Build the altar. 
build the altar. Talk to God. And then maybe you went out of your way. And maybe today you're listening to this message. You went out of your way. Something clicked and say, I need to go back to the altar. And, and you see, it's never the same thing. It's never the same. God, God will speak different things in different situations. And the, in, in, during our lifetime, we need to learn how to be humble. And we take the rubble of our life and we build that altar. Let's finish. If you're here, you can just stand. I want to pray for you. If you're watching online, you can uh, keep sitting down or standing. But I want to pray for you. And I want to pray that you learn to react to God the proper way. And uh, uh, if you want to listen more about these uh, altars, just go to this website, myeveningdevotional.com, and you'll get the podcast and all the other messages also on the YouTube channel. You'll get all these messages about Abraham's altars. Because this is really important to, to know in our life. But it's not just the altar. So ne next time, we're going to continue with Close Encounters. I'll talk about someone else. And, uh, and we're going to see how they reacted to God. Because when we encounter God, it's very important what we say. Very, very important. We need to, to know what to say. Amen? So, so, God, I pray for people here and watching us online. And, and, God, yes, we want to encounter you. I pray for those people that never met you. And, Lord, today I challenge them to ask you, God, to show yourself, to be manifested in, the, in their lives. And, God, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord, that you bring us to a, a close encounter, a close relationship with you, Lord. And we want to learn. We want to learn with Abraham how to build an altar with the rubble of our life and just present whatever we have to you, God. And God, you have so much better plans than our plans. God, just, just as you told Jeremiah, call me and I will answer you. And I will announce you great things you've never heard about. And, and God, yes, we want to call you. And I pray for people today, Lord, that have been calling and they couldn't perceive the answer. And I pray, Lord, that you teach us on how to wait and how to listen. So, God, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name for uh, people that need answers from you. And, Lord, I pray that they will learn how to build an altar in their hearts. And how they will sacrifice the fruit of the lips that confess your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. It was great being here this morning at the Passion Center. This week my devotionals are going to be about the voice of God. We're going to learn how to uh, listen to the voice of God. So if during the week uh, you, you have 5-10 you know, minutes. Uh, some people listen to my whole message online 10 minutes. Some listen 5 minutes. It's fine, but it's, it's important to nourish our soul with the Word of God. So that's why I do a fresh message every day, so, so you can uh, just check us out. But uh, we're going to conclude here uh, now. If you're watching us uh, online, uh, you're going to see...